Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with a particular guest, Linda Polio. Linda, say hello to our audience. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. I'm going to first introduce her, of course, as I always do. She's in Sedona. She's a New Yorker and moved to Sedona, went back and forth a number of times. But she's there and there's a reason for her being there. Um, Who is Linda? She is a consciousness doula. Did I say that right? Doula. That's correct. Now, we're going to start with that. You'll explain what that is. And she's the author of a multi-award winning best-selling inspirational novel called Trusting the Currents, which is actually a channeled book. And she'll talk about that as well. She's always been committed to elevating human consciousness. And this for me is, you know, as soon as I saw that, I thought I've got to have this woman on the show. (laughs) I've got to hear her voice. Um, And this purpose has guided her through her life. Um, And she has had a uh, part of her life as a an advertising executive, an accomplished advertising New York uh, executive, um, and as a thought leader in conscious, um, in consciousness practice, conscious business and communication practices. So that word consciousness always comes up. It's a key word in her life. Um, now. She is, there's so many other things here that uh, I need to say about her, but she's uh, is experienced in various different spiritual disciplines, energetic practices, and healing modalities. Um, but let me start by asking you, what exactly is a consciousness doula? Um, well, a doula itself is something that births. So we've, I think most people are familiar with um, birthing doulas that help mothers bring newborns into the world. And uh, now there's a death doula, which are, which help people that are going through the passage process, help them understand it better and become more comfortable with it. And a consciousness doula is someone who helps people birth consciousness. And we're all going through some major changes now in our lives. And helping companies and people understand their consciousness and how they can kind of elevate, expand it um, is something that I want to help. I've been involved with consciousness since I was born. 
I've always been very self-aware and having all kinds of interesting experiences as a child, but the idea of bringing consciousness into the world has been a big theme in my life. It's always so difficult to define consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I've read so many different definitions or attempts to define consciousness. How could you define it today? Because it will obviously change in the future for you, uh, I'm sure. I think probably the best way to explain it in the simplest way is it's awareness. Mm-hmm. When you are conscious, you are aware. So your your level of consciousness is, is dependent on how much you are aware. Some people are very aware about their environment, very perceptive, very self-perceptive, very intuitive about the world around them, and some people are less that way. Um, I think some people are born more conscious, and I think you can also practice it and um, do a lot of inner work to kind of help you um, in that way. But I think it's really about awareness. Consciousness is, is self-awareness. So if we say um, when you work with people and, and the public at large or even in small groups and you try to enhance their consciousness, uh, literally, in some way, you're allowing them or aiding them to become more aware of themselves in relation to their surroundings or themselves in relation to how because consciousness I have heard someone even define consciousness as the the soul we could even mm-hmm. put them one on top of another and mm-hmm. consciousness is your soul they're almost synonymous and that's hard to believe when we come from a position of awareness you know because if I go look, I'm looking for the soul, you know, and I, I don't see it, but I can perceive it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, we would, this would give us this talk and a definition would take us back for so, so much time. But Well, there is, I mean, there is so much to talk about when it comes to consciousness because we really don't know anything. Mm-hmm. We we believe, we believe based on our personal experiences and anyone who's had um, sort of mystical experiences or experiences that are what we've considered otherworldly, uh, they'll have a different perspective on what, on what consciousness is. But all we do is we have this, I always say that I live in a landscape of possibilities and that landscape of possibilities is everything about consciousness. So everything is possible. Yeah. But for me, when when I can discern it myself, when I become conscious of it myself, that's when I know it. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can really speak about are things that I've had personal experiences with. But, um, but I believe consciousness is the most undervalued um, and misunderstood universal experience that we have on the planet yes, right now. And it's exactly. really important that people start really learning more about it um, by doing their own inner work and just by being super aware all the time. I mean, consciousness is awareness. So if you sit in your own house and you just pay attention to literally everything in the room, the chair, the couch, how you feel, the the different noises you hear, hear, that actually helps you kind of cultivate and develop a more expanded sense of awareness. So after we spend so much time talking about consciousness and the definition, and I'm sure that it will change in time, as as I believe, um, let me ask you about, you know, I don't know exactly where to go because you've channeled a book, Trusting the Currents. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
how does that figure in your world of consciousness, the book channeled? How did that come about, that experience? That was, um, I was working in advertising, but I was working within sort of the conscious business practices. I, I had been in advertising, running new business for ad agencies for a number of years, and I took care of my father for a year before he died. And three days after he died, I heard a voice say, go to Sedona. And I had heard of it. I had never been here before. So I just got on a plane three weeks later. I had nowhere to stay, had no idea why I was going, which those who are called to Sedona will understand. Um, I ended up staying five months the first time, and it kind of reawoke all of the sort of spirituality that I had had as part of my youth. So when I came back, I couldn't work in businesses anymore where I was not yeah. making yeah. an impact on the planet. Yeah. So I really began getting involved in the whole idea of business consciousness. And I became the world's first chief consciousness officer for a large global marketing consultancy, working with Fortune 100 CEOs and CMOs to get them to understand what I call the human technologies, yeah. which are wisdom, intuition, compassion, empathy, forgiveness, how and gratitude. How beautiful. Say that and again. And how that could work. Say that again. The human wisdom, technology. Yeah. Human technologies, wisdom, intuition, compassion, empathy, forgiveness, and gratitude and how that would benefit corporations and their employees to help integrate that into the way that all the communications um, go through a company and, and how you work with partners and consumers. So I did that for a number of years, um, very involved with conscious business practices, LOHAS at the time and conscious capitalism. And um, then I ended up taking care of my mother for a long time. Well, that's but, the, um, the wheel of life that's right a, there. That's yeah, but when I was when I was in Sedona and I had all these sort of awakenings, it was a very mystical time for me. And I came back to New York and I went back to work and I was consulting one day, and I heard an old black Southern woman's voice say, "It's not what happened to me that matters." And I stopped. Um, I had always gotten what I would consider high knowledge. I had been channeling just high knowledge. I just all heart based. I'm very heart based, and the work that I've always done and will continue to do is. Is, is focused through the heart. Um, so I just decided to start writing down what she was telling me. And after two or three days, I realized, oh, I think I'm supposed to be writing something. So for about a year, I would just, whenever I felt her presence, I would open my computer and she would pick up where she left off and I wrote Stream of Consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she sent me back to Sedona and I spent nine months by myself with her channeling the rest of the book. All right. Now, we, we've mentioned Sedona so many times, and this female presence who started channeling through you. Uh, let's first uh, contextualize Sedona. What, mm -hmm. for people who don't know what Sedona is, never have been there, what exactly is it known as or for? Well, first of all, in, in its simplest form, it is one of the most beautiful places in the country. It's Red Rock Mountains, it's beautiful green, it has a creek that runs through it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. But it's also a very spiritual place. It was actually used by Native Americans as a place of worship. They didn't believe anyone should live here. So they would, the different tribes would come and they would uh, have spiritual study here and they would get together and then they would go back to their tribes. Um, it wasn't until uh, the white man came and decided to live here that um, actually anyone lived here. But it's, it's 
beautiful. There is a beautiful presence in the earth here. Everything just seems more conscious. Um, it's also known for sort of aliens and spirituality yeah. and yeah. anyone going through a big transformation or going through a healing process in life will very often find themselves here or they'll be drawn to go here. I've heard um, talk of a vortex in yes, energetic terms. What is mm -hmm. that exactly? Well, a vortex is simply an energetic portal where mm -hmm. there's certain energies and, you know, what is in those energies depends on what the portal is. But Sedona is well known for seven primary portals. But it, for me, all of Sedona is a energetic portal. And, mm -hmm. and when you're here uh, and you're in the process of any kind of personal transformation, you will definitely feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talking about energy, we were... Um, having a chat before we started recording and you mm -hmm. mentioned how uh, your book was published and all of the various different phases and we'll talk a little bit about that but you did mention one thing that stuck uh, in my mind uh, about the underlying energetic quality to the writing but also feeling the book in your hand the paperback what, mm -hmm. what, what is that can maybe you can explain that to us well while i was channeling addie may um there was a very intense energy that was part of it it was a very loving energy it was a very heart-based energy and it was important to me i channeled it for two years then i put it away for a year because i had to go back to my life and make a living and you know kind of recover from the whole channeling experience but then i started editing it and during the editing process um i i needed to work with the language that would that would be digestible to more people because the language that it was first written in, first of all, it came out in heavy Southern black dialect because all the characters are black and I'm not. So I had to make sure that, you know, I was hearing the voice properly. So I sent it out to a bunch of people that I knew that were from the South and that were African-American. And they told me that it was perfect sort of dialect. But I, I worked for a while on the languaging of the book so mm -hmm. that it was accessible to more people because I wanted it I wanted her messages and I felt very much like I was the steward of the book more than the writer in fact I don't think I put my name on the book for probably three years in, into writing because I felt like I had just been the conduit for her to send her messages and um, and her story but also as I was writing the book it was very important that um, at certain passages there was an energetic frequency that I was embedding in the writing so that when people read the words, um, they would actually feel an energetic frequency. And I always tell people who are reading the book, if they come across a phrase or a paragraph or a sentence that really resonates with them, to read it out, read loud, out loud. Because I yeah. think there's a sound therapy. And I would, I would work on one sentence for three or four hours because it had to have a certain cadence, tone, and rhythm that would bring the reader into their heart. So well, when I was actually working on the, um, the design of the book and the design of the interior of the book, it was, it was equally important for me to make sure that the same energetic frequencies that I worked so hard to get into the writing were held within the book itself. So um, the design of the book, which has the dragonfly on it, and the dragonfly is a Show us. Big... I think you have, oh. for those of you who are yes, watching the, the video... Okay, so move it over a little bit to your oh, right. That okay, way. <laughs> so the dragonfly trusting the current. Okay. 
-hmm. Yes. And the dragonfly represents the character, um, Addie Mae Aubrey, who is the narrator of the book. And when you read the book, you find out why. But it's all based also on, while I was reading the book, um, particularly when I came back to Sedona, she would bring me, most of the time I would just listen to her. I used to call it the indigo abyss because I would sit there and wait for her to come. And it always had this indigo color. Mm-hmm. And it always felt like I was jumping in ice cold water when Ooh. she began. And I'd have to wait until I just settled into a warm current. And then that's when she would start speaking. Mm-hmm. That's a nice way of explaining it. Yeah. It Energy. Was, it was mm-hmm. very beautiful. It was all energetic. And then when she left, I just popped up like a bobbin. I just popped back up and that mm-hmm. was it. And even if I tried to write more, I couldn't write what she was writing with me. So I was very much just being dictated to at that point in time. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started editing the book and putting all of my energy and time into it um, that I finally put my name on it. Mm-hmm. But when I was designing the book, it was important to me that the fonts I used, that the colors I used, and just the general feel of the book. I took me a year and a half to indie publish it because I was very, very precise in the way yeah. I wanted the book to see, be, to, to be seen and, and felt. And so, you know, I always tell people if they can to buy the softcover book, because even though the energetic frequencies are still in the Kindle book, there's something about holding that book. And I've and I get this a lot that people can feel the book before they open it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you had to describe the story, because I I, I like to use that word story, because Mm -hmm. everything is a story. If you had to describe (laughs) the book's story in a sentence, could you do that? Well, it's hard. I mean, it's the story itself is the coming of age of a young Southern black girl in the late 1930s rural South. Mm-hmm. That is the simplest way to explain okay. the story. Good. But there's three levels to the book. There's the story and they kind of weave together. There's mm-hmm. the, the story of Addie Mae and her family. Um, there is There are spiritual messages that are woven through the book that anyone who read it can can relate to and almost everyone who reads the book feels like they are Addie Mae. She mm. just brings her story to them. It's like as she's telling you her story, yeah. she's telling you your story too. Yeah. And then there's the energetic frequency embedded in. So they're all these three threads are all woven together. Well, this brings me then to the last uh, question concerning the book. Um, mm-hmm. Many books obviously have an audiobook component. And I was yes. wondering if you've ever considered that. Will that be coming up? I would love to do that. Um, the problem is because the book is in three parts. The small parts are the prologue and the epilogue, which is my journey of, of the book Writing coming it. to me and, mm-hmm. and my relationship with Addie Mae. And then the most of the book is her story. But I would want a southern black woman of course i'm not reading the book (laughs) of course of course but that is in the cards i mean yeah that is that is definitely in the cards Mm -hmm. i'm i'm still this book is is has been probably the most influential experience of my life um because it led me in a completely different direction and it continues to and it's been a long journey with nice and uh she's taken me on quite a ride so far. So the audiobook is definitely 
in the cards good um, good for the future as i hope good. a movie will be at some point yeah <laughs> wonderful i was thinking about that when when you were talking yeah. um all right so now there's of, of course we're opening up another topic here but it is mm-hmm. so important uh one of the things that uh you mentioned um which could be a, a ni- an interesting topic is uh, the current global transformation and where we are heading now okay. that is <laughs> a uh, question yeah it's a big <laughs> loaded question here where do we start um well i mean i think it's not a surprise to anyone who's watching this that we're going through a major global transformation but this global transformation has been on the books in the indigenous tribes for you know centuries forever mm-hmm. uh, they've seen these days coming for a very long time and and, you know, I knew my whole life that I was here for something and I didn't yeah. know what that was for, but I knew it was for something that was going to be major. Now, I thought it was going to happen a long time ago. Ah. I didn't realize that it was going to take this long, um, but and I had no idea what form it would take. I just knew that we were going into something that was not going to be easy and that was going to uh, transform everything about who we are as human beings and and who the who we are on the planet as well and you know that has begun um the pandemic i believe was just um the beginning of it that was kind of a a revolution of our circulatory system you know it sort of changed the way that we move and operate and where we go and and all that And, and i think as we go into the next year or two i think we're we'll be going through more structural changes. There'll be more institutional changes and um, more probably also a lot of earth changes with or, or, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes right. and, but everything that shakes us up. And I think it's important that people realize that we will get through this. Um, it's not going to be the end of the world, but it will feel like the end of the world because it's the end of the world as we knew it. And the more we can get people to become more conscious and to become more self-aware and to care about each other um, and to do the inner work, because the more you learn to work with your own inner trauma and your own inner guidance, uh, the better off you're going to be and the better off the world's going to be in general. Yeah. So again, we're talking about consciousness and the Uh key word here is change and embracing change. And we know, I mean, biologists, uh, all scientists will tell us that life is change. You cannot live without change. So let's say that probably one of the keys to the transformational process in future is how we are able to embrace change and adapt to that change and even look for change mm-hmm. in the future. Um, you talked briefly about your work in uh, in in a institutions, okay, uh, private institutions, large companies, and advertising. But now your whole life has changed. But do you work with people on a one-to-one basis in small groups? Do you do any kind of consultancy or mentorship or something like that? I do a little bit of everything right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I work with individuals who are truly interested in understanding 
themselves on a deeper level and yeah. participating in the planet. I, I'm, I'm working with with different platforms. There's a lot, as you probably know, there's a lot of merging right now of people and businesses and and initiatives that will be part of the new world that we're going into that's way more positive and way more collaborative and way more sort of sort of co-creational. So I work with companies and businesses that are um, building those kinds of platforms and I, and I help them with strategy and I help them with languaging the way that they communicate is very important. I mean, I don't think there's anything more important as we go into this global transformation and learning how to communicate and language properly because it's not only what you're saying, it's who you're saying it to. So very often you have one thing to say, but you have to say it three different ways to three, three different audiences. And understanding those, those nuances is, is, is really important right now. And for businesses, that's, it's really important because it, the way you communicate is either communicating through the old world or through the new, new world. Now, what does that typically look like, this uh, collaborating with, co- working with? Um, are they small groups of people? Are they one on, one-on-one? And if I do so, both. okay, if you do both, how yeah. long do they typically last? Um, well, I usually work with someone for three months to mm-hmm. begin, um, yeah. just to sort of on like a weekly basis. And it could be more depending on where they are. I'm, I mean, I'm very... I'm very committed to helping people that are serious about where they're going and what they're doing. So, and and I'm and I adjust. I, there's no rules. Everyone's different, and we, you know we're all in this together, trying to figure it out. Um, and then I work with little businesses, which right now I'm working with smaller upstarts because the larger businesses are not are still not ready for this whole idea of you know bringing this new world um, into them but the smaller businesses are. So I work with them and there's various numbers of people attached to these. And again, I, I help with strategy. I actually channel high knowledge. I get a lot of high knowledge when I'm working when with you, someone. When you say you channel high knowledge, uh, give us a little more description here. Well, I've done this my whole life. I just know things sometimes. Yeah. If I'm speaking to someone, um, I will get information and it's not like I'm channeling it. I don't know who it is. I don't know what's channeling to me. It's probably my higher self. I don't know. But I get very distinct, very um, uh, important messages for people that are going through things. So I just allow whatever I am getting through to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then, then we talk about people. it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, um, so, so let's say that uh, if I had to describe the work that you do, it's sort of an enhancing people's abilities to become more conscious, all right? The consciousness, the word consciousness is always there. Mm-hmm. And you do that through several means, one of which is working with their language, one of which is, is also understanding, getting, uh, channeling information that this person or that person or the group will be able to use. So there's a lot of uh, your energy being expanded. In, yes. In I also co- work with frequencies. I mean, frequencies. Okay, give me, get, yeah, let's talk about that I because think, I was getting going, yeah, going I think, there. I think mm-hmm. frequencies because when I first meet someone, mm-hmm. um, it's very, um, 
I don't think about this, but I do an energetic imprint. So I get yeah. an energetic imprint sure. of someone as sure. to what chakra they're operating out of mainly, what frequency within that chakra. I pay attention to the language that they use, the way that they move, everything about them to get a sense of who they are. Mm -hmm. And then I will start communicating to them exactly how the way they communicate. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, I will start bringing in higher concepts and higher knowledge. Um, and I will use specific language to breathe, to elevate or expand their own consciousness yeah. so they can feel that something is happening within them. Mm -hmm. And I take it until they get scared, usually. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the 70s, that scares them. <laughs> in the 70s, that was called neurolinguistic programming. Oh really? <laughs> well, it's still called NLP, you know, okay, but I, but I've but there's no consciousness in there. So so it's a yes. different take. It's it coming from a different place, let's say. Yes. So but it's still it was working with language in order to yep. influence people. But Exactly. See, but that's not what you're doing. You're not interested in influencing them, but you're no, interested, I'm in interested in interested in opening them up to yes, themselves. Yes, yes. So that's a major difference. That's a very yeah, it, extreme. It's it's very important that people, because most people don't really know who they really are because we've all been socially conditioned by our families and our religions and our governments. And and the first time, you know, I actually knew this was the first time I came to Sedona. And I had been, you know, I was, had taken care of my father. I was a, a, a mother and, I mean, I was a, a daughter and, and a business person and I had all these relationships, but I didn't realize till I got here. And I, I think the Buddhists call it plunging when you take yourself out of your environment and you change everything about the way you are and you go somewhere where everything's different. And what happens is layers of social conditioning start peeling away because people yeah. don't respond to you as normal because they don't know you. So you have then a chance to become someone completely different than the people that have known you in the past. And I found when I came here, um, I was in a, I had never been to this kind of high desert environment. I didn't know anyone here. I was going on raw foods. I was, you know, doing all this sort of spiritual work. It was completely different. So I just began to, I think after five months of being here, I really saw that who I really was. And I liked her. I mm -hmm. liked the person that I really was once I removed everyone else's expectations of me yes it's that that uh, evil word expectations our exactly. own also um i was just thinking uh, the other day yeah. when will you start doing something that <laughs> you don't need approval for you know or yes. you don't want to pat your back uh, you know pat yourself on the back for who are you doing it for you know and it is conditioning. It's it, it is a sort yeah. of conditioning. But but there's this notion of pleasure. I mentioned, you know, that my book, the the uh -huh. magic of pleasure seeking and pleasure, is is something that's not ingrained in in societies. We we it's almost a, a, a you know people have the idea that pleasure cannot bring you anything because you have to without pain there's no gain. You know that notion uh -huh. of and so. That also has a um, a very big imprint on the way people do things. But going back just a second uh, to the notion of consciousness, um, it is quite uh, 
such a big topic, right? Consciousness. And I, yeah. I know we've only been speaking uh, half an hour about it, but mm-hmm. the topic is enormous. It's incredibly enormous. And yeah. so what I'd like to do is, is to get a, a pre- in Italian, we say strappare, we, you know, <laughs> get you to, to promise to come back and we can delve again, once again, into consciousness. And as yeah, it's I developing. It. Yeah, I, I think consciousness is is the most important technology we have going forward. And, you know, as we see our external universe, yeah. we have the same extensive universe inside of us. In yeah. fact, I believe that everything that we see on the outside is actually comes comes from us. So, you know, the last great frontier is really our own internal journey into our own consciousness. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's where we're moving towards and all of the all of the struggles and the difficulties we are having now Part of that is to yank us away from our belief system so we become more open to what we don't know. You know, as you were speaking, as you were Mm. speaking, you made me think of the lifeline. You mentioned your parents often in this process, your dad passing, your mom passing, you taking care of them. That is a, a, a line that is broken Uh, You know, because the cycle of life then evolves. Now, um, you never really get rid of the memories of who you are through their eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering um, how I was just thinking about that the other day. And I thought, hmm, here I am on my own two feet. Mom and dad are gone. Sorry. But, (laughs) But they influenced me. So I wonder what they would think if they saw me now, you know. And we still are sort of rooted in that because our soul seems to migrate towards certain experiences that they mm-hmm. that the souls want to have and mm-hmm. um and in for different reasons and in your case you have your reason you there's these two poles new york city and sedona i mean the opposite ends of a spectrum right. really you know <laughs> and and they're not that far away but you know planes are not direct sometimes it takes right. a long time <laughs> it, it's easier for me to get from rome to new york probably um right. to, to direct flight and so there's, you know, and travel is so different. And time, the notion of time, consciousness and time would be an interesting, too. yeah, it's, it would be a great topic for the future consciousness yeah, and time. Definitely. Time time is a is, big, time's a big deal right now. And we yeah. don't really know what it is. I mean, time has always been a fluid construct. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why we have daylight savings time. We, you know, yeah. we, we change time to fit up. But <laughs> and Arizona really... doesn't change, does it? No, no. We, <laughs> we stay the same the whole time. Yeah, I know. So I'm always, just, I'm always trying to find where I am because, yeah. Yeah. again, I am where I am right now, but it changes depending on where people yeah. are. <laughs> That I know. I'll just, I'll make you laugh. I went to, for the holidays, I went to visit my uh, my son who lives in Germany, I mentioned to you before, in Berlin. And it was snowing, that day was snowing. Yeah. And uh, I was with my, uh, my grandchild, who's four years old, brilliant kid, knows three different languages. And we were walking, it was snowing. And I, you know, I, I, I t- took a wrong turn. I, I wasn't that far from my son's house. And I said, hmm where are we and he says we're here (laughs) oh he's right we're here (laughs) you're always you're always here yeah we're always here and it made me just stop and and just crack up because that's it you know the children are so brilliant they see it so easily you know (laughs) 
And then yes, until we program them out of yeah. it. <laughs> until we program and, can... and give them watches and clocks. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's why the shamans of the tribe were so important back in the day because you know, they allowed uh, the the other tribe members to go and become war- and warriors or yeah. farmers or whatever they were, but they held that secret of what time was and what consciousness was and what yeah. came in the afterlife. They were willing to, you know, they went into hell. I mean, shamans, you know, mm-hmm. went, basically go into hell to bring back the jewels. And yeah. we have to remember that as we go through our difficult times is that, you know, suffering does have its gifts. And yes. once, we, once we learn to accept this, what's happening to us and go into it deeper, we will start discovering that these it's, it's actually giving us new directions to go into. And I think, um, you know, that's been an important sort of lesson for me as I've, you know, gone through all this myself too. Well, we can end on that note. It was beautiful with okay. the gifts and we'll take the gifts away with us <laughs> and with the promise of coming back again together and talking of Anytime. consciousness and time. Thank you I so much, that. Linda, for this talk. It was just Thank you, inv- invaluable. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.